to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to another Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Today, I'm really excited about the podcast we have. In fact, I'm going to be stepping out in a few moments. I just kind of want to introduce what's going on. Um, for those of you that might not understand the full structure of the Anti-Drug Coalition, we have the privilege of working with young people, um, and they're called the Tuscarawas County Youth Advisory Board. And those are young people on school districts across Tuscarawas County. Um, they're facilitated by Kaylee Luthi and Jessica Sexton from Ohio Guidestone. And they work with young people both in the schools with Ohio Guidestone, the youth to youth programs, and the Youth Advisory Board, which is basically an active committee of the Anti-Drug Coalition. So these are youth leaders from Tuscarawas County Schools that are leaders in their school youth to youth groups. And they meet together throughout the year and work on kind of higher level substance use prevention efforts. So they're at our anti-drug coalition meetings. Um, they do a lot of the environmental work in our community. So when we have campaigns and efforts, they'll be at the commissioner's meetings asking for resolutions and ordinance on different issues. Um, they accompany us um, to the Ohio State House, and I'm looking at Phoebe and Brock. They've met with senators, congressmen, even at a federal level. I'm looking at Brock, Brock West that he has spoke with Senator Portman and Senator Brown on issues that really affect um, use substance use. Um, they are our youth voice, and honestly, as a coalition leader, um, they have a much more influence on making changes in our communities than I think adults ever will um, because adult leaders understand that this is our future. I mean, these young people are living life every day within the school and community. They see things differently. They have a different pulse on what's going on. So this is really fun. Um, our young leaders um, have agreed to step up and do some podcasts, and hopefully we'll be seeing them on a more frequent basis. Um, but this this one here today, they're going to interview um, a young man who is in recovery, and they're going to just kind of be talking about how how did um, addiction happen, how did it occur, um, what do we need to know. Um, to prevent use substance use, how does it impact lives? And I think also to offer hope, you know, even if you've ended up going down a path that maybe you thought you would never be, you know, how do you make those changes in your life to make a difference uh, and to be substance free? So with all that being said, I'm going to step out. I'm going to just let everybody introduce themselves and um, then you can all start asking questions. So Phoebe. Hi, I'm Phoebe Farmer. I go to Strasburg uh, High School, and I'm a sophomore. Awesome. Thank you, Phoebe. My name is Brock West, and I'm a senior at Tuscarawas Central Catholic Junior Senior High School. Wonderful. And my name is Austin Camben. I am 28 years old, not in high school, and um, I do Christian hip-hop, and I've been, I've been clean from drugs and alcohol for about three and a half years. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to step away. Kaylee Luthi, who um, oversees the Youth Advisory Board, is going to come in, and you all can start asking Austin some questions. How about that? Okay. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate, also, I also want to say, I appreciate the work and the leadership you all do 
in the schools and in our communities. Austin, I appreciate you being here. You just make a difference. Your voice, your willingness to share um, is, is awesome. So thank you guys. So we're here with Austin and Austin, would you like to kind of explain uh, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So, um, as I explained in the intro a little bit, I'm 28 now, um, went through, um, probably, uh, like seven to eight years of active use and addiction started off with, um, I know this is just kind of getting right into the addiction thing, but started off with just, um, like smoking weed and drinking alcohol. Um, and then it started to be really habitual. Um, a lot of that stemmed from my dad's use, who's now eight years sober himself, um, and, you know, been recovered or in recovery now for close to four years, three and a half is probably closer. And um, now I do a lot in the community just with Christian hip hop prevention, talking about my struggles, talking about my faith um, and that kind of thing. That's really awesome how you have taken your situation, try to make it better for others and explain what, how it affected you. What made you start using? So just to give a little bit of like background, um, I grew up in a really good home that was marred by addiction. So from the outside, nobody really knew the struggles that we went through as a family. My dad struggled with a, an addiction to hard drugs for like most of my childhood from the time that I can remember until I was 20s, like early 20s. And uh, <laughs> um, so for me, like I grew up witnessing a lot. I was super like aware as a child. So like I had an awareness about me that knew what was going on at a young age where maybe other kids would just kind of like block it out, watch TV, whatever. I was super hypersensitive and aware to it. And so I would be on the phone at like, you know, um, 5 a.m. as an eight-year-old, hoping my dad would call, waiting for the phone so I could put it on mute and listen to him and my mom's conversations as he would go into stuff about his addiction or whatever. And so I witnessed a lot of things I didn't really have to, but I did. And um, through the years, though, we were in and out of church a lot. There were still a lot of great times, but my dad would, it was um, a lot of like binge use. So be sober for a while and then use again, sober for a while and use again. And there was a lot of hopelessness and um, just a lot of miserable moments in that though too. And so as I got older, the breaking point for me was when my parents finally got divorced because my thing was like, I always wanted my family to be together. A lot of my friends' parents were divorced and I hated it. So my thing was like, my parents have to stay together. It was this like obsession that I had that I thought that I could control. Like, like I was the factor that was going to change it. And just eventually, um, consequences caught up to my dad in the sense of like my mom you know um they got a divorce and that was the breaking point for me so as soon as that happened that's when I kind of I always had these convictions like I'll never use that was my conviction all through school like I'll never and and it was an, a lot of bitterness and anger like I'll never be my dad was my thing that's and but whenever they got divorced we moved out and um we moved out of the home I had been living in for my entire life and um that's when I just kind of said, like, you know, I don't care anymore. I just gave up. I gave up fighting, if that makes sense. 
And so I had friends who had um, dabbled in like smoking and drinking and stuff like this at this time. I didn't know. They knew that I was like a good kid, so they would never share these things with me. But one day, I think I finally said like, like they brought it up and I said, I'd smoke or something. And so it started with me um, trying weed for the first time. And that instantly turned into me smoking weed every single day because I was just trying to cover up the pain. Weed wasn't just like a fun party thing for me. It was um, like me really trying to mask the pain. So I instantly was trying to get as high as I possibly could. And I started drinking too and um, really still wasn't comfortable with hard drugs at all uh, for a long time. I really tried to stay away, but I would experiment maybe here or there, but I never really liked it until it kind of just spiraled. And um, I was doing, as I got older, really into like rap music and stuff. Um, it was an influence uh, from a young age. My dad was really into music. He would DJ. And so I started doing secular, secular meaning worldly because I do Christian hip hop now. So I would do, I was doing secular um, rap music, but, and I was starting to get attention and like little bit of success. I was opening for bands in Cleveland and stuff like that, but I was completely hopeless and I was miserable um, because I was getting attention, but I didn't actually have any real relationships. I, I did, but it was, I was so out of my mind. I was not myself. And so um, ultimately everything kind of spiraled out of control from there. And would you consider there like a point where you just like hit it? It was like, oh, this is like a problem and I need to fix it. And then what steps did you take to fix it? So drinking for me, like I feel like I noticed it at times because I was that person that would go to the bar, say I'm not drinking tonight and then end up the most drunk person there every time acting a fool and doing funny stuff. Because really, realistically, I was masking my 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 starvation for attention i wanted attention from people so bad because i didn't feel loved and so um there was points but it it was whenever i first started doing cocaine and um when i realized like like i couldn't stop i didn't even think about it like i just knew i'm like wow uh there was thoughts like this is literally my dad's story that's what I thought, like, wow, I'm going down the same path. And I, there were cries for help and my music and different things like that. Um, but yeah, it was sitting in my bedroom, <laughs> staying up all night by myself, not hanging out with anybody, doing cocaine and just sitting in my bedroom doing cocaine. It was terrible. It was not fun. Let me tell you that. So yeah, in those moments, for sure, I was like, I have a problem and I knew it for sure. Even though I, would, I wouldn't tell anybody else that, I probably tried to deflect or put it off on somebody else, but yeah. Uh, what did other people start thinking? Like whenever they would see you do these things or they knew that you were doing these things, like what they start thinking? Like what'd you think about what they thought about you? Um, I personally had really low self-esteem and it came out in um, pride. Because I, it was kind of like the world treated me so bad through the things that happened to me. And I don't care how you feel. And I don't care where you're at. I'm going to do me. I'm going to become successful. And I'm going to show you all. And it's like this big um, vengeance thing, right? But I had low self-esteem. So I didn't think people's opinions of me were very high. And I, in my music, I really 
came off as like boasting about being like a deadbeat. Like I would say that, like I would boast about it and stuff. And it was really not me. I mean, if I could say like who I am as a person, um, growing up all throughout the years, um, it was kind of just a way to get attention and to be this person that I found myself able to get attention this way. Um, <laughs> but I think, man, I'm so grateful for life today because I, I know like I didn't want to go to family gatherings. Um, I knew that I gave off almost a feeling or a vibe of being like downcast in a way. I wasn't proud of, realistically like where I was at and who I was and so um yeah I mean my friends loved it because you know God bless them but misery loves company and so anyone who doesn't want to recover themselves doesn't want to see you do it um because like it's way easier to stay in the shadows you know not talk about it and and honestly we would have open conversations about being addicted like we would we were ignorant about it at times like just like calling ourselves addicted calling ourselves alcoholics or whatever and um it was this attitude of like you know we're the outcasts or something and so uh we would um yeah them you know it was a lot of when i would hang out with friends and addiction doing drugs whatever I'm not saying that the people weren't real, but I'm saying there was a lot of, um, there weren't a lot of genuine interactions because everyone was only caring for themselves in a moment, their own pain, their own struggles, what they're going through. And so it's hard to relate in that way, but I would say family members and the outside perception, like in my music, I was being so blatantly vulgar and so blatantly like just putting my pain out into the world for everybody to see. I don't, I didn't feel people's perceptions of me were good, but I ran with it in music. And that's like, that appealed to a certain um, tribe, if you could say, but um, yeah. Okay, so I have a question. You were saying that um, you realized that there was an issue that was happening and that you're becoming addicted and everything like that. And you said that you're open with that, with your friends and everything. Um, so did you have like a certain like all-time low point or anything that then um, kind of triggered you to want to make that change and finally um, step away from how you had been acting before and the things that you were doing to try to, you know, hit, go into recovery? That's good. Um, the obvious one is the wreck that I was in. Um, I had started to be to a point to where I would wake up and like, I'd wake up thinking I'm not doing drugs today. And then somebody would call me and I was doing drugs that day and it would be noon. Like, and I'll say, I'll just, I'll state this and see if anything pops up in my head. But the, the life changing moment for me was I went to the Mexican restaurant as was normal for me um, at any time of the day to start drinking. I went there for food, but it turned into drinking as it always did. And I went from, I was there for 20 minutes and was blacked out. Like within 20 minutes, I drank so much within a 20 minute period that I had already blacked out. And I was driving around, apparently, as my friends at the time told it, acting completely belligerent, swerving all over the road. They took me home. 
I was calling people in Canton, not even knowing what I was doing or where I was going. I was completely out. I had been everywhere that day and didn't even remember. I was at friends' houses, all types of stuff, people's houses that I didn't even know and acting a fool and, and had no idea. And I came to my senses in the middle of the day, like four or five o'clock, went to another friend's house in Dover and drank more and blacked out again in the same day. So I was also doing drugs at this time. And I had experience selling drugs too. All of this culminating together, um, I had a moment, I got in a 70 mile per hour wreck on the highway where I flipped my car um, near Strasburg going 77 north. And um, this is about four years ago, almost a month from now. And um, like I, I should have died that day. Like literally I, I 100% should have died and it's by the grace of God that I'm here. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, I didn't change directly in that moment, but losing my license, still trying to do rap music. I was having terrible health problems and stomach problems. Like I was having anxiety to the point I thought I could die every day. I woke up thinking like I was going to die. Like I had such debilitating anxiety. So I think all of these things kind of culminated to a point sitting in my, oh, here it is. I got you. So I was doing secular music, as I said, and I was opening for some bands that would be, if you ask like some kid who's really into rap music, he would know who they are. Um, normal, like regular people might not know, like just your everyday person might not know, but like, you know, people who are getting into rap music and like starting to make it a career, like these people would know. And so I remember I had, my stomach problems were acting up so bad and I was having like heart palpitations and stuff so bad. Like I was actually having serious health problems that I had to cancel the show the day of and everyone was so mad at me and like whatever. And I was having panic attacks every day. Like I would literally go into panic attacks so bad I would be shaking. Um, I would say the day that I canceled my show um, was probably, I would say that was probably one of the lowest moments for me because I didn't, I didn't, um, go into recovery or turn to God. Like right when I got in that wreck, I was still trying to do my thing. I actually used it as a way to like bolster myself. Like, yeah, I survived this thing and in my music or whatever. So, but I would say, um, I would say just the culmination of the wreck canceling the show and like these things all led up to me just having super low self-esteem and um, not being proud of my situation at all. Um, so I go to a Catholic school and, you know, God and everything like that. Mm -hmm. What made you turn to God and was like, was God like helping you get through what you were going through or was it something else? That's good. Um, I was in and out of church, like I said, a lot as a kid. And so like I had super powerful experience as a kid growing up with God. Right. So I knew God existed, but as I got older, like I got into a lot of like, uh, just different beliefs or whatever. But ultimately, um, I always cry. I had like, if you listen to my secular music, like I cried out for help a lot in my secular music. So like I had songs about God. Um, and so just a little backstory, like my dad had been sober for like four or five years at this point and in church. And I had deep convictions that I should be there and I would try and go, but I felt so guilty and ashamed. And I had also this perfectionism about me that I thought I had to do something to get to God. Like I had to become this person before I could get to God. I had misconceptions, but I had such powerful experiences in my youth that I 
could explain to you that were very powerful that like I knew that he was there. But because of my lifestyle, I tried to apply what I wanted to be true about God in my life to my life, if that made sense. Um, ultimately, I'll just say like it all happened very without my even knowing what was happening. I was forced through um, different um, consequences to go to recovery meetings. My dad was running a faith-based recovery meeting at this time. Now, my dad never preached at me because he knew words weren't going to do anything for us at this point because of how he had lived for my whole childhood. So he never tried to preach at me after being a Christian for, you know, five years sober, like doing his best living, you know, you know, living in Christ and like that. Um, so for me, God, I mean, I got saved from a 70 mile per hour collision and I could tell you more stories than that of like crazy situations I've been in and crazy things that have happened. I'll tell you one story. I'll just tell you this story and I'll leave it at this. Like I was driving down the road, writing secular music. I'm writing blasphemous songs, right? I'm writing against God. Like I'm, I'm, I'm coming at him, right? Like in my music, it's almost like a power play. Like I'm going to get famous off of that or something. Like people love it. Like it's real or something. Um, one time I was drinking and driving. After, this is after my wreck, actually. I was drinking and driving. I'm writing a song about my, there's, no, I have a song about my wreck. I had just recorded it. It's about my wreck, but I'm talking about how God saved me in it, right? I'm not living for God, but there is a point in the song where I said, and maybe it's because I love so openly that God can see some hope in me and knows I'm not a broken dream. And I was riding down the road and my stereo randomly turns to 100 and blasts that part as I'm drinking and driving, going home at like 2 a.m. all by myself. And I started like, like, I was like, what? Right. And so I, 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 there was moments, but I still wasn't ready. Like I didn't want to turn to God. I didn't want to turn to recovery, like nothing like that. Like I didn't want nothing to do with that. I'm getting famous. I'm doing me too late. Like, my life was horrible. I'm doing me. It was still my mentality. And it took me getting the consequences of going through the court system, going to jail, having the consequences of having to go through some of those things. Cause I got away with things way too often. Like I got away with things way too often. I thought I was invincible. Um, after going through those consequences and being forced to sit in a recovery meeting and hear about um, God, a higher power, like I was like, I was forced to sit there. And that's when I broke down and realized between the experiences I had had and between where I was at now that I could have God in my life again. I didn't have to live this way anymore because I thought I had to keep going. Like I was under this perception. Now this is who I am. It's my identity and I have to do this. And I realized like, I don't have to do this. I can turn to God and I can, you know, do recovery and I can get clean and I can live a new life. And so, um, it was being forced to sit, being forced to, I would have never done it on my own fruition. That's just where I was at. I would have never done it on my, I've never sat in those recovery meetings. I have way too low, low self-esteem. I had things going on that I didn't even know or could have never articulated to you that I was going through. And so, um, yeah, he was, he was there the whole time, but I was in a place of rejecting him. But I think he saw like the pain in my heart. He saw where I, what I went through all that. And he had just such grace for me. And so there was a lot of cool moments that culminated into that, but being forced to go through the the court system. And like, personally, I'm so grateful for that. I was so grateful for the, I mean, it's people don't, don't like hearing this, but I was so grateful for the consequences of my life because first of all, I could have died. That would have been the worst consequence. 
And I'm like, I, 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 I tell you guys genuinely, I thank God all the time for the gift of life itself. I go outside. It's beautiful outside. I literally just tell God, like, I'm so grateful for this. This is amazing because life is genuinely a gift and I love it. And I'm so grateful to be here, but the consequences of addiction, very grateful for those. Very grateful that I had to go through those things because if it wasn't being forced to sit in the, in AA meetings, to sit in recovery meetings, I wouldn't be here today. Um, so kind of went a little further than your question. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. What has made you want to stay sober and preach to people about how important it is to realize that you're addicted and to finally get the help that you need? That's a good question. Um, For me, whenever I stopped doing drugs or alcohol, I knew there was no way I could never drink or drink. Like I could never drink or do drugs again, like any. I cut off all relationships with friends. I didn't hang out with anybody that I'd been hanging out with before because I, I I had a barometer though like for what it looked like to live that life, to live a clean life too. So like I had a barometer for that. So I knew that these guys are still using, like I can't hang out with them at all. And um, um, for me now, I just, I, when it came to drugs or alcohol, I um, didn't have any desire to use again when I stopped using. I, that's me, right? The reason why is because I was so miserable but I knew that recovery was possible because of my dad. So for me, like, I, I, was, I wasn't even having fun doing drugs or alcohol by the time I was at the end of it. So like for me, like, and don't get me wrong, God played a factor in that, like, of course. But like, yeah, I, um, I wasn't having any fun at all anymore. So whenever it was time to stop, like when it was time to like, when I was forced to stop drinking because of the courts and probation, um, and it couldn't be a crutch for me anymore, recovery became my crutch, if you could say in a way. And so leading up to today, I totally rely on God's power in my life. Like I don't stress about not using drugs or alcohol. I can be around alcohol. I'm, I'm not saying this is the same for everybody. For me, it doesn't bother me because I know... Mm, well, I don't want to be arrogant about it, but for me, I, the passion to help others comes from, um, me having the understanding that life is a gift, waking up every day, grateful for life and knowing that I'm madly loved by people and by God, that, that get, that can get you excited. That becomes an ecosystem of just goodness in your life where you wake up and you're passionate about people. Um, I've had the opportunity to write transformative music for people that God, and it's crazy because ever since I started doing music for God, like my music platform is like went way skyrocketed way higher than I was doing in secular music. And like God has given me the opportunity because this is what I was always supposed to be doing, the platform and the opportunity to speak into people's lives. And I get messages literally all the time from people, all the time from people that are like, there was one guy who told me I was going to rob the drug dealer today. But your music came on and I got convicted about it and I couldn't do it. So thank you so much for what you do. That's kind of a funny one, but like those kind of messages or um, man, like I was going through a really hard time. I had a man say he was homeless on the streets in New York. I FaceTimed him. He was homeless on the streets in New York. He said, your music got me through, man. Like you have no idea how much I look up to you and all this stuff. So like things like that, 
they get you excited about life because like, wow, this is so much bigger than me. When you start loving on other people, it gives you a new purpose. And um, so that's a big one. And I don't rely on myself. I rely on community. Community is so big. Like um, God has brought fantastic people into my life when I wasn't even seeking it. So it's crazy how he cares um, in the midst of like us not even understanding what's going on or whatever. He brought people into my life, relationships where I didn't even try to make it happen. And um, so now I have fantastic community. I have amazing family and the desire to use drugs or alcohol for me isn't really there. Like, I'm not saying that it never, I don't want to act like it never comes up in my mind, right? Like, man, I like the reminiscent of like numbing all your pain, not thinking about anything and like just getting lost in the night, but doing that every night. <laughs> um, the temptation is there. I can't pretend like it's not because um, there are times where I still get stressed out in life and bad things happen and I don't feel good. And I think about that. If I, Me and my buddies drive around a lot and listen to worship music at night. And sometimes if I'm really going through something, um, I can like that that can pop up in my head. But my mentality is and I can only share my experience is like I know that that's not an uh, it's I know that that's not really a possibility for me and I don't stress about it I don't worry like oh no I'm having these thoughts I give it to God he's my power I rely on him to be my power and I don't stress about using drugs or alcohol because I don't rely on myself not to do it I rely on him to keep me sober and then um just the joy and that um gets me excited to share it with other people to stay sober and just my faith in general, like sharing with my family. I just shine my light. So whenever you, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. Whenever you started using, were you like fresh out of high school or like just starting college or did you take like yeah. a gap year or something? I was fresh. I was in high school, senior year. Um, it was my junior summer before my senior year. My parents got divorced. Actually. Um, yeah. The summer before my senior year, my parents got divorced, and that's when I first started. Well, I first smoked weed at my dad's house. Sorry, Dad. I first started smoking <laughs> weed at my dad's house. Uh, <laughs> they, we had a camper sitting out back, so we went into this camper. We started smoking weed out, um, and it started that summer, basically, that whole summer. Um, yeah, we actually, I think it was just a few days after stopping going to school for the year. Um a buddy that I'd known in class had just graduated his senior year. We met up with, we saw them at the gas station. They said like, oh, Camden just started smoking. And they were like, no way, bro. So like we started driving around, cruising in our car, um, smoking all the time. And my whole senior year was basically me getting high. And like as soon as I get off school, smoking and i was drinking too although i didn't like drinking as much um at all i would people would like pressure me to drink i didn't like it as much i'd rather just smoke was my thing because um i didn't like being out of control either um but eventually with the health problems of smoking it turned to drinking because i didn't feel as sick if i would like drink i know that sounds weird for a lot of people like weed can make you sick like yeah i felt terrible every time i smoked um but um it started yeah my um my senior year in high school. And then do you feel like that affected you in like in school or yes. yeah. Okay. Well that, yeah, I was kind of expecting yes, that answer. I was, but. I was like my teacher, everyone noticed. I remember showing up like, like, okay. So at my birthday, um, 
I was very, I felt like um, my mom had a lot of guilt and shame about, like, not that she could have fixed anything. Like, there was, she couldn't have done a thing better. Like, I, so my mom is the best person I know in this world. And um, she is, like, totally caring and giving of herself. But, um, yeah, I remember one time, like, I told my mom, like, I'm drinking tonight or whatever. Like, I'm drinking tonight. You know, she's trying her best. She's like, what can she do? You know, I'm an 18-year-old man. I'm doing what I want to do. And so I remember... Go, like staying up till like 5 a.m drinking and smoking one night and i had to be at school the next day and like i got sick that night it's terrible and i woke up and my teacher looked straight at me and she's like you reek of alcohol like you i can it's coming through your pores you look terrible and a lot of moments like that and i was sleeping a lot in class i didn't really care much for school anyway because of my dad's addiction anytime i was in school it's like what's my dad doing my mind was constantly and i really want to relate to like kids right now and youth because there's probably so many kids who go through these things but they never talk about it right how often do you go to school and and i don't know what school is like now i feel like it's a little different than when i was in school 10 years ago but um like how many kids get to talk about these things on a day-to-day basis especially when it's hidden like it was in my family where no one knew that my dad was using drugs and alcohol. We hid it really well. Like, um, we had to. That was, like, the whole family dynamic. If my dad started using, we all worked together to hide it. And, like, it was, like, something we put off. And, you know, no one needs to know. No one no, no one knows about this. Like, we got to make sure no one knows. There was a love there still, protection. But it was a lot of burden on us. Right? Um, so... It definitely messed with school. I can promise you that. <laughs> messed with my attitude. Messed with everything about my life. Um, I know that people don't like to admit that about weed. Let's just be honest. People hate admitting that weed can be a gateway drug, that it can be a drug in general. I'm telling you right now that I weed, it did not enhance my life. I'm just telling you. It didn't make me more productive. It didn't make me smarter. All it did was mask the pain, numb myself, and like do away with stress. Problem is, when you don't smoke, all of those things come back or do cocaine, even worse, or drink. All of those things come flooding back, but you have no proper brain chemicals to deal with them. And now you have to deal with them in a depressed state, and it's not good. So going through that in high school and all of the things that I already had going on, it was no bueno. No good. Okay, so that leads into a question that I had. So what kind of advice would you have for teenagers to help Mm -hmm. them out? Like if they're going through those issues and they're thinking about using or maybe they've already started using, um, what, what would you tell them? It's hard as a kid, right? Because you're so impressionable and you're, let's be honest, as kids, like, you know, especially if you're in your youth right now, um, I would just say (sighs) good community is vital but it's hard as the youth to be the one to initiate that thing especially if the truth is if you're in that state if you're anything like me if you're anything like i was you know you felt like the world owed you something because you didn't do anything wrong and you know i don't mean to put it on on them right i don't mean to put it on youth but there is a level to it to where it's like uh, if I can say it, I don't even mean to be mean. Like, this isn't usually how I talk, but let's just say you're youth and you say, screw you. Like, you're, you're you, you know, 
why would I clean my life up or why would I, why would I be the one to reach out? Why should I have to be the one? There's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of deflection. There's a lot of, right? For anyone going through that, I would just say a few things. One, there are a lot of people that if they knew you were going through this thing, would have so much compassion for you and love for you um, that they they would be able to be there for you. Um, <clears throat> two, you have extreme value. Um, whatever your parents are going through is not, okay, okay, I actually do have some good stuff. It's starting to actually come now. So like whatever <laughs> we had before might not be as powerful, but let me say some things here. Um, my dad's addiction was not a reflection of who I was. I thought that what my dad was doing was a reflection of who I was. Now, everyone's going to deal with that a little bit. And you think that your identity has to be wrapped into who your parents are. And there are a few people who get away from that to be able to understand that that's their decision has nothing to do with me and then stick with that. There are a few people who grow up and say, I didn't drink because my dad drank. A lot of times, what do you, what story do you hear? I drink because, you know, my family, it runs in the family. I'm an alcoholic, right? Mm -hmm. Let me just say life does get better. I know it seems like you're going through insanity right now. Like if you're, if you're youth, um, you have extreme value. That's not, uh, I, I have witnessed people that the world has written off in my personal life, people I'm friends with now, have befriended, hang out with, who everyone in the world has written these people off. I'm talking people living in homeless shelters, using meth. I've seen them make enormous change in their life. So first of all, I want to give you hope for if your parents going through something or whatever. Like if, it, if, if, if you're not using drugs or alcohol and your parents going through something, I first of all, just want to give you hope. Like I'm, I don't want to... Um, I'm not, you can't change your parents' situation. I'm going to, I'm going to V off a little bit here. I'm sorry. My mind's going kind of all over the place, but this is important. You cannot make your parents' decisions. You have to learn how to care for yourself and have your own relationships and your own life outside of where your parents are at. If you're in this place, because you cannot control your parents' And it is not a fun place to be as a kid, right? But unfortunately, it is the reality for some kids. There's a place where right now, if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, you do have the ability to make your own decisions. And I'm just telling you that if I could go back, I would never have used drugs or alcohol once. I don't regret it in the sense of, because of the platform I have now. Like, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that um, I'm ashamed of it, but like, if I was that age again, knowing what I know now, I would never, ever use drugs or alcohol at all. I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't smoke. I wouldn't do, uh, smoke cigarettes, nothing. Because it's actually impaired my health in a lot of ways that, uh, you know, have even up to today, like digestive issues and different things like that, that I've struggled with, um, all from alcohol abuse and, and drug and alcohol abuse, because it messed up my stomach balance and all types of things. I mean, there's serious consequences for using drugs or alcohol. I know it seems like you're young and you, you drink and then you wake, you're rejuvenated. You're fine. That don't last for very long. I can tell you story after story after story of people who have ruined their lives 
because of using drugs and alcohol. People in good families, you don't have to be in a, you don't have to grow up with a parent who had drug or alcohol problems. It's, it's an addiction. You, it's a disease. You, you don't have to grow up like that to begin habitually using and just having fun with it. Right. And then, um, also you don't need drugs or alcohol to have fun. That's another one. I have fun literally all the time and I don't use drugs and alcohol at all. I have way more fun in my life now than I've ever had before. I have fulfillment in relationships with people. I have excitement in my life. I have hope. I actually have hope like for a future. You know how long I didn't have hope? I felt like I was miserable. Um, you as a 16, 17 year old, you have the opportunity to shape and change your life. You have the opportunity to go to college and get good grades. I've witnessed, I have friends who did not grow up with the best home life, who went to college and, and they made up in their mind that they were going to make a life for themselves. And now they make six figures doing what they love with successful lives and not in addiction. Um, you have the opportunity to change your life. And I feel like that's so important to understand the separation between like you as an individual and your parents. Um, because the truth is right now you're a kid and you don't have any control over that, some of those things. Um, but you have your own life. Your happiness doesn't have to be dependent on how your parents are doing. Mine was, I didn't understand that. As I got older, the fear of my dad using again, you know, getting into recovery myself, I'm like, I don't know what I'll do if my dad uses again. I had to learn, like, if my dad uses again, I'm not my dad. So I am my own person and I have to have my own life. A lot of kids, the truth is like they love their parents and they just want like, that was my thing. I just had like a deep, I was very sensitive, right? Like I just loved my dad and I couldn't help but obsess about it. Like how he was doing. Um, if that's you, just know like you have to make your own decisions. You have to have your own life because ultimately you're going to have the opportunity to impact people and we need you. So I could probably go on. I don't know. I think that was amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for um, coming here today and talking with us and telling us your story and giving us all this great information. So thank you so much. Of course. And I want to thank you guys for what you guys are doing, because as somebody who gets to witness change in people's lives, if I um, like your where you guys are at is it, it's what we need. Um, I get to witness impactful people in community all the time and starting right now where you're at. Um, I think it's very important and I want to commend you guys for like what you guys do. I think that's awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.